It's Monday. You know what time it is. FRPC is back on the air, and mm-hmm. it is football time. And I am here with the Canadian Bomber, the Canadian Shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons, and the Canadian Mike Tomlin. Oh, Nico Miatello, what is up with you? I, I'm doing pretty good today. I'm uh, excited for the big news we got a couple hours ago. Maybe uh, something we've been talking about for a while here, but it seems like it is now public knowledge that Lamar Jackson made a trade request in early March, March 2nd. <laughs> from his uh tweet a little peek behind the curtain on this a little bit for podcasters like ourselves mm-hmm. this is so big because we got information on this early and it yeah. was really good information we were on this like i want to say around the what the super wild card weekend we were this is when we started yeah. to talk about it Mm -hmm. and the information has been pretty consistent the whole entire time yeah and we have stuck to our guns that we didn't think that lamar jackson would play another game in a baltimore ravens uniform and for this all to come out as somebody who what we're what episode 32 33 wherever we are Mm mm-hmm Pretty damn good. So uh, kudos to hard work. Kudos to staying on the grind, man. I'm, I'm really excited that this information was indeed correct. And yes, mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson has sent out another tweet. <laughs> yeah. And let's talk about that real quick. What were your thoughts on the tweet? Did it give you any sort of new insight to what was going on? Uh, me, I wouldn't say new insight necessarily. I think it's stuff we, we kind of known just uh, football fans as a whole, even with years coming in, but him saying specifically the words that they were not interested in meeting his value, I think is a very deliberate choice of, of words and him saying basically like they haven't been interested in treating me like the quarterback. I believe I am. And that like stands to both, the money that they've been offering, but as well as how they've been treating him as a player on the field to this point in his career, especially like that number he put out earlier, the three for one thirteen guaranteed that they offered him uh, since then some Twitter sleuths have done some calculating and the three for one thirteen is exactly equal to what Lamar Jackson would have made if he would have played on three consecutive franchise tags. So they're valuing this guy just saying, hey, you're worth the bottom of the market. You're worth the least we can possibly pay you. And we're, we haven't shown any interest in 
putting receiving targets around you because we don't think you can throw the ball. I think this has been a long time coming to the Ravens organization with their treatment of Lamar, and I'm just glad it's coming to light in this way. Even more glad as a Steelers fan, obviously. Lamar Jackson, his <laughs> his family, who is representing him, has have been absolutely dumbfounded by uh, just a lack of interest when it comes from the Baltimore Ravens organization. I think at this point, I think Baltimore really overplayed their hand. I think they looked at this kid and said, we got him late in the first round. They looked at the, I don't know if they looked at the man or if they looked at the ability or if they thought that because he came in and kind of helped galvanize and create this kind of family atmosphere. They thought that they were getting some sort of, I don't know, discount or, hey, play ball with us. But they definitely did not read this situation right at all. And now we're in this position where let the bidding for Lamar Jackson begin. Because... We now have a 26-year-old quarterback, a former MVP, and a guy that can probably give you 1,000 yards rushing and 35 to 4,000 yards passing if he has weapons. So now, with that being said, what, the usual culprits, Indianapolis, won. Mm-hmm. They haven't had a quarterback in a while since Andrew Luck. Let's be real about that. Yeah. And they've tried the retreads the last couple of years. Very, very unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. This is a 26-year-old quarterback. You got a early pick. You can jump on this. Definitely will believe that Indianapolis will be interested in this guy. My question is, who are the shadow candidates? I understand that there, there are going to be Guys who come out, organizations that come out and say, hey, we're in. Mm -hmm. But who are the shadow candidates? Because I think that's the one. Those are the ones that we need to be worried about, Nico. Yeah, we we've touched on the Patriots as a a shadow candidate. There was a Bill Belichick comment that surfaced today where he was asked, Uh, if he'd have interest bringing in a guy like Lamar. And he said, I won't comment on players on other teams. And then the reporter said, well, he's a free agent. And Bill just didn't say anything in response, just went went zero dark 30. I I think that's kind of might be showing their hand a little bit there. We've been on the Patriots as a potential destination. Um, I think... I, I, I'm with you on the Colts as a heavy one. There was uh, some stuff that came out today with that, too, with uh, Shane Steichen saying that they're always going to go after every free agent. And in the same comment saying that Gardner Minshew is a contender to start for them this year, I think that's uh, 
a pretty clear indication that you're in the Lamar Jackson Derby because obviously Minshew isn't the, the type of franchise guy who you'd be building around. I think there, there are some other teams we've heard a little bit of buzz about the Falcons. We've heard a little bit of buzz about the Panthers, though we all kind of think they've moved out of that derby after moving up to number one. I can help you with the Carolina Panthers. Mm -hmm. I can help you with that one. Um, Yeah. A couple people that I know in the Charlotte area Mm -hmm. have told me that they are all in on one of the rookie quarterbacks. Yeah. So – I'm thinking it's it's Stroud probably yeah. at this point. But uh, so they're definitely not in the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes whatsoever, which I believe mm-hmm. is a mistake. Yeah. It's an absolute mistake. Yeah. I I understand them wanting to try and uh build an offense that kind of suits the Frank Reich of it all, the the great staff that they've brought in. So kind of making a move for Lamar Jackson and moving all the assets that they currently have, I think might be going all in a little too early for this organization. But I, I do think that when a player like Lamar is on the board, you, you should be willing to move heaven and earth. Um, I have heard a little bit of buzz about the Texans as a potential team that would be willing to, to make a big move for Lamar. And I think that would bring a level of revitalization to that organization that they pretty desperately need. They have um, some solid things, but losing Brandon cooks the same offseason, you're going to make a big trade for a guy like Lamar when you would be losing all your high picks to maybe replace Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I'd be a little worried that he'd be in a very similar situation to the one he has just been in in Baltimore. I would agree. They just don't. If they, if their weapons were better, you know, if they had built through the draft a little bit more. Let's say this rebuild was maybe another year down the road. It might be a different story, but he definitely is going to go to a place where he feels that he can maximize his talent. And he's definitely going to a place where there are credible wide receivers and tight ends. Be nice if he had an offensive line and maybe a couple running backs, because that's what was going on in Baltimore. We need to reiterate what Baltimore has not done for this man. Okay. Uh, You said it so eloquently a couple weeks ago. His best wide receiver that he's had is now in Phoenix or Glendale. You want to be real technical. (laughs) Glendale, Arizona. Yeah. Marquise Brown. Uh, Andrews is his most reliable pass-catching threat, and they've had nothing but injuries in the backfield and to the offensive line. Doesn't seem like a recipe for success to me in the least. So now we are here. The one team that I also have been thinking about and – I wonder if this is something that they would pull the trigger on. 
And I don't know what their cap situation is, so it makes it more difficult to kind of see what they could do. But um, if if the team is out or the players are out on Kyler, is there any way where their cap situation can be maneuvered to maybe say, hey, would you like to try this again with another Uber athletic quarterback? It would be, it would be, they do have potentially the cap room to maybe massage something if need be. But I, man. By the way, this is reckless speculation. Yeah, I just don't know how how well it would work it's again feels like more of the same that being said they, their offense was built to be a little more like attack downfield and moving on from kingsbury kind of removes that element a little bit but it sounds like they are moving on from deandre hopkins as well this offseason um they they seem with with Kyler going to be out to begin the year, I think this might be kind of a pseudo tank year for Arizona, where they just get another high value asset and try rebuild the team around Kyler in this little two year span. Uh, I I guess ultimately I could see them doing something like that. They're an organization that has been unafraid to make these kind of moves in the past, but. I I would expect them to stay put for at least this year. I'm gonna go on just a tad bit of a uh, diatribe, so bear with me. Bid, Mr. Bidwell, <laughs> you have been a laughing stock of the National Football League forever. Now, your team has moved from St. Louis to Arizona, and we are still waiting for your organization to bear fruit. People were out on your guy when you got him as coach because, by the way, he was slotted to be the offensive coordinator at the University of Southern California before this came through. He got fired at Texas Tech. So now... Here's an opportunity to get a 26-year-old former MVP. The league really doesn't like you anyway, so you should go ahead and do the guaranteed contract and get Lamar. And yes, bring a little bring a little color to your organization in the sense of personality little swag, and it will reunite Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson, and they can go out and hit the town in Phoenix. Man, I would love Lamar to have one sure-handed receiver. Like Marquise Brown loves to drop the ball to even Mark Andrews, as good of a player as he is, he has dropped problems as well. I would really like to get him with 
some A-level receiver with sure hands somewhere. But yeah, that I know him and Marquise Brown definitely get along and that that side of it he'd probably enjoy. Nico, make no mistake. I do not want Lamar Jackson in my division. These are the only reason I'm hitting on these people is that you sit there and you look at a franchise like the Cardinals and you wait and you wait and you wait and you just think, especially when they moved from St. Louis to Arizona. It's a sleeping giant. Bill Simmons has been talking about the Phoenix Suns forever, about them being a sleeping giant, Phoenix being a sleeping giant. Because it's close to L.A., it's close to Vegas, it's close to Silicon Valley, it's close to money. And for some reason, the Bidwills have not done what they needed to do to get that team over the hump. I don't know if it's – I do know this. Their reputation around the league is – if it wouldn't be for Cleveland and it wouldn't be for Spanos – Yes, the Bidwells are down there. So if you want to look at power rankings for owners. Or that. If you want to look at the power rankings for owners, they're at the bottom of the barrel. How do you fix it? You make a splash. I personally do not want him in the division. I'm just looking at it from an organizational standpoint. When you have not put anything together, your tenure doesn't have a lot of things that you can look at and go, remember that? That was an awesome memory. I mean, hell, you don't have to win Super Bowls. Can you get to the playoffs consistently? Can you do that? I would really love that for the people of Arizona. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like them to do it with little Kyler Murray because that's my guy. But yeah. at this point, you got to do something. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're going to be in on it. I just wanted to throw their hat in the ring because I think this time we have to start looking outside the box. Yeah. Start looking outside and start seeing if we can get some W's. And the one thing that we do know about Lamar Jackson he wants to win. Definitely. He's about winning. Mm-hmm. I think the statements were poignant. You are not interested in valuing my talent. And you're not putting stuff around me. That's in so so many words. It's like you're not putting enough around me to make this happen. Yeah. So, of course, you now have a disgruntled quarterback. Is there another team that you believe that should jump into this that probably won't? Uh, I, I'd i say Miami. They It'd be difficult for them to jump in given uh, the first-round picks that they don't have. But if there was a way for them to maneuver their way into the Lamar conversation after the draft and be willing to part with a guy like Tua in an expanded trade package, I I think that would be uh, 
a really good move for the organization as a whole and work well with the Mike McDaniel system. But I think we've touched on most of the teams that should have uh, a level of interest in Lamar. Uh, One more thing I wanted to touch on with this whole Lamar thing. I've heard people online talk about uh, the rules with this non-exclusive tag and how technically in a trade a team is not allowed to give more than two first round picks for Lamar Jackson by the letter of the law you after signing an exclusive tag contract you can only give two first round picks however what we've seen many times in the NBA and we've seen meh, Uh, not so much in football. And what will happen in this situation is a simultaneous trade where another trade happens alongside the Lamar Jackson trade that accompanies Lamar going out with that organization. And in that secondary trade, the additional assets will be attached. So we're going to talk about uh, I'm sure in the coming weeks, Lamar Jackson trade packages once the uh, the teams going for him become more official. And it'll always be in that vein of a simultaneous trade where let's say the, the Ravens are sending out Lamar and some bench player along with him or a six round pick or something and then truly it'll look like the Ravens are getting a second or two second round picks for a six round pick or something but we'll all understand that that was truly a part of the Lamar move and one more thing before we move on with this Lamar Jackson please do not go to the team that was formerly the Washington Do not reward this owner for the culture and for how he treated women and for his lack of awareness on the sensitivity to the name that was once put with the Washington team. Do not go to D.C., Mm-hmm. That is my plea to Lamar Jackson, and then we can move forward. Um, Nico, what is next on your docket that is very interesting to you this uh, football week? Oh, well, I've been, been a sports gambler in the last couple years, and in these last few weeks, I've actually went pretty crazy with sports gambling overall. So really intriguing to me was the news that came out that the NFL owners are going to be voting on allowing sports books to operate within NFL stadiums this upcoming season. And I, I understand there's a lot of negatives that are going to come with that. And uh, we'll definitely get into those if it does end up passing. But just as a sports betting fan, I can't even imagine how fun it would be to be able to run down the bleachers and place a bet and look down live at everything that's going on. I have thoughts on this. 
but I think I'm gonna wait until it's actually here. Cause if it's if it comes, I have a I have a real I have a real thought process on this and what this is gonna look like. Mm-hmm. So um I will save judgment for later. The one thing I will ask though is are we getting too close now? Are we getting too close in we just had the issue with Calvin Ridley, right? Yeah. Are we getting too close? Are we having now if we're if we're allowing sports books inside the actual stadiums? This seems murky. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we're moving into a position where it's harder for people to influence athletes on the betting market just because these athletes the ones of consequence are paid so highly and even with the calvin ridley ridley situation they came down hard on him intentionally because what he did he did absolutely nothing that was going to infect the game at all he placed a random parlay bet on a games he wasn't involved in he was just like messing around on FanDuel and they suspended him for a year for that that shows you how seriously the league is trying to take this right now so if anyone ends up doing something that I think they can prove was somehow influenced by the outside betting market, I think we're probably going to look at like a, a lifelong suspension, a Pete Rose type situation in football. But why even entertain it? Why even I mean, introduce it to your Pete always wins and they, they'll get paid way more in person if they're running the sports books themselves than just uh, doing deals for advertisement. That They'll have people coming in and spending money. This is going to uh, also affect the cap probably in every sport. If organizations start running these sports books themselves, the money is just going to continue to skyrocket. We're... We're going down the road. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm here for it, honestly. I. I know it seems like it would it revenue stream, great. We've been betting on football for years, great. But now it's in the building, and you say, well, you know, these guys don't get affected by this, and and whatever the case may be. I'll tell you that in the NFL, one of the reasons why their union is not as strong is because they do not have the resources for a nuclear winter. This is why they cave. This is why the owners know they will cave is because owning six cars is very important to the NFL athlete. I've heard stories on when they have had lockouts and certain things like that. I've had people tell me I had to give my boy a loan to make sure ends meet. This is in today's NFL. This is not, this is not 40 years ago. I've had people tell me that not rookie guy. I'm talking about fourth year, second contract guy. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not- There's always going to be examples like that. And like on that side, I think the bigger side of that generally, the reasons they can't go nuclear winter in negotiations is while the the top end players are compensated very fairly, a lot of these lower end guys need help to make ends meet sometimes they're they're being paid incredibly well don't get me wrong but as soon as you cut that money off they're making like a regular person's really good salary they're not making this godly amounts of money but and the reason i don't think that necessarily will impact the gambling market as much is because those guys generally are not the ones making the big impacts and differences in the game. Sometimes I'm sure they can, but it's it's more rare. I, I do understand that there's fringe cases like that of people who just spend far too much money, but at, at a certain point, that's on the athlete. If you're making $20 million a year and you're still spending recklessly at, to a point that you need a loan during a lockout that's that's i kind of think that's more niche circumstances okay so you say niche so i'm gonna ask you a question how much of the nfl do you believe percentage wise has come from a impoverished situation uh i think a decent a decent percentage of them I I would have a hard time giving it a number, but I think a decent percentage. And what have we been talking on this feed lately about? Uh, I don't know how you want to call it. Uh, associations with said star athletes and mm-hmm. their influence on said star athletes. Uh, agents, are you talking? Mm, about? I'm talking yeah, about I'm, we we just had a situation with John Morant. We've been talking about oh. hey, maybe you as friend or family member or whatever you are, entourage to John Morant. Maybe you should tell him no. Maybe you should help him out. Now we have the influence of our boys in NFL circles. And we got live betting inside the stadium. So I understand where you're coming from. I just think that we need to pull back a little bit and really look at every Mm -hmm. angle before we do this. Yeah. Because I do believe, and I'm not trying to be the sky is falling, because I think Mm -hmm. there's some way it can work. I'm not I'm not 100% in the physical stadium. Yeah. Well, I think not 100% on that one. I think the the twist to it will be putting low betting limits like in it betting inside the casino, see having like okay, you can gamble inside the casino, but at most you can put uh, like let's say a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars on a certain line, that 
that way the the payouts can get big they can get to thousands of dollars but they're not going to get to the big enough point where they're it's going to influence an nfl athlete i think like that's probably the way you keep that safe and it will still capture everything the nfl is looking to capture like the people in the stadiums aren't going to be the ones coming down to your sports books making these hundred thousand dollar bets that's it's just not the same groups of people so i i I think that might be a solvable problem but i do understand what that's more where i was coming from a bit not influencing athletes i just don't think the money will be big enough to impact them in that way and the other thing that i asked or that i suggest is maybe we do this in phases maybe we do uh in-game things like um, over/under on yardage per quarter, uh, wide receiver touchdown over/under, game-wise, quarter-wise, whatever. Uh, the the weird Super Bowl bets, you know, like um, is there going to be a defensive touchdown? You know, scoop and score, or pick six, or whatever the case may be. Bet on things like that. Give that three years. You do your little research. I'm sure you got your little focus group. You got your little, I'm sure there's a NFL owners committee just on this particular topic. And I'm sure my boy Jerry Jones is in the middle of it because where there is actual money, Jerry Jones can smell it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I know he's in on that, but yeah. you give it three years. You see how mm-hmm. it goes look at all your analysis and then if you want to ramp up you should it's shown that it does work it is working none of your players are doing draft kings <laughs> i.e calvin ridley stay away from draft kings calvin <laughs> trevor lawrence needs you yeah stop being an idiot <laughs> he does okay um I th- I'm pretty sure that's the way they'll do it. Just knowing from uh, working with different sports books, that's generally the way they start off. They start off with more basic lines, and then as it progresses, they'll become more intricate. So I think that will just kind of happen naturally as well. I. It, <laughs> I, I feel weird defending gambling in the way I'm defending it because I definitely know the addictions that come with it and the problems that can be caused. But I I feel like it's a solid partnership that if it's treated in the right way and uh, considering how much gambling lines generally push the health centers and stuff versus other addictive uh, products, I... I think there is work in that direction. So that makes me hopeful. So I I, I think this can be successful if done right. And if anyone's going to do it right, I kind of have the feeling it will be the NFL because they have a lot invested in doing something like this properly and making sure it's not a PR nightmare. I just want to be cautious. Maybe that's my age showing. But I'm very, very weary or leery of a situation where we're going to have bets going on on Sundays. Okay? I just, 
It's a little, it's a little close to a, a situation where we are. I don't. I'm not gonna say we're going down the wrong road, but I would definitely want to make sure I de accelerate this a little bit and make sure I have checked all the boxes. And Goodell, he's under a lot of pressure. So I think our boy Jerry is going to make this work. Because Jerry was the one who was absolutely driving this train about Goodell's salary. So, you want one of your little bonuses, Raj? Push this through for me. Because I'm sure Jerry already has a deal with FanDuel or DraftKings. 100%. Yeah, he probably... No, I think Jerry, if anything, Jerry, he's going to be the one pushing the creating your own sports books. That feels very Jerry Jones to me. The Cowboys Gambling Network. That's just going to be in every casino across the world. I, I'm waiting for something like that to happen. To be honest, I think the developments like this, especially if the NFL teams start taking making their own sports books seriously, might be a little bit of a problem for these sports books that are attacking your every single commercial reel between games. It, it could eventually get to the point where um, though the NFL sports books are just attached to such a big name, whenever people start to go looking for a sports book, it becomes that instead. And that might also be part of why they're doing such a strong marketing blitz right now to get these in your head so you remember them and it becomes a part of your life using the book. I get you. Part of Lexicon. So then, therefore, it's easy, it's, uh, it's consumable. Mm-hmm. Easy to digest. I understand where you're coming from with that. It's just like a lot of things in this world, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we're yeah, this is uh this is an interesting topic. We're gonna probably have a lot more to talk about, but mm-hmm. if this does get ratified, I do have a thought that I will break out once it is ratified because mm-hmm. Yeah, it might take a couple times through the the group of owners. So. I think there's going to be some who stand in opposition. Oh, Jerry's going to bully him. <laughs> yeah. He's going to bully him. Yeah, he could. Shout down some dudes. Like, listen, you're standing in the way of progress. Stop. <laughs> Stop yourself right now. Because Jerry wants that money. So any kind of revenue stream Jerry can get for the Cowboys, for them to be absolutely mediocre and not win any championships and stuff like that, he is all for that, for sure. Yeah. 100%. Sorry, Cowboy fans. Your owner is in my crosshairs. <laughs> Unfortunate for you that you'll be hearing a lot of Jerry Jones speak on this, but I will talk about your team in going fashion if they do something awesome. I love Michael Parsons. I think he's a complete animal. He's very enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Your owner is also very enjoyable to watch just for other reasons. <laughs> oh. yeah. All right. Um, 
two things. We're gonna we're gonna slightly, slightly, gently touch on the Aaron Rodgers thing. Mm-hmm. I believe it will be this week. I think the Lamar Jackson thing, and I'll, this is why I wanted to tie it together. I think now that Lamar has made oh. his demands very public, it is time for the Jets and the Green Bay Packers to go ahead and finalize this deal. Because Green Bay does not want this to be prolonged and and uh, find themselves on the outside looking in. Not saying that Lamar would go to the Jets. I'm just saying you just don't want the music to stop and you don't have a seat. So let's get this figured out. Let's get this going. Mm-hmm. Let's get this whatever package that needs to go together. Let's get this going. Mm-hmm. And also, I want to make a plea for Alan Lazard. My man left his home for the nice-looking chick, basically. He relocated for Aaron. He did. And now Aaron and his and in Green Bay are sitting there going like this, like, well, we'll move. We just got to make sure the condo is put together right. Mm-hmm. You know, dark rooms are available in a vicinity that is to my liking. So my man Lazard is just sitting there. He's just on an olive branch. Just, just He's just on a branch by himself, just waiting, waiting for his God. He, he definitely, he definitely is sitting there waiting, though I do think... He's probably happy to take $10 million in New York one way or another versus uh, spending the beginning of his career on very low deals in Green Bay. Mm. Um, I actually, during this pod a few minutes ago, uh, the Jets came out and definitively said they they want Aaron Rodgers there out of the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. I, I know that's not what you were implying, but I... I do think this is going to spur action to a certain extent. And if there is a way that Lamar happens this week before Aaron Rodgers and the Lamar package involves two firsts and something else, I I think it's going to make Green Bay push harder to be receiving at least one first in return for Aaron Rodgers. And, I basically think that's a sticking point at this point. Like, they're not going to get the Jets pick this year. I think they're fighting hard for the Jets pick next year. And as well as the draft pick, um, the Jets just received in the Elijah Moore deal. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. Um, I've always looked at the Jets as, like, the New England Patriots' little brother uh, for a lot of reasons. I'm going to tell you right now, some of these moves that they're making, I'm not really a fan of. I don't like the Elijah Moore deal. Mm. I understand that Rodgers has a a disdain for young whiteouts, mm-hmm. but uh, I think this one, this one is going to hurt. Yeah, 
I I'm not sure the Elijah Moore deal is paired with Rodgers in that way as much as like Rodgers doesn't want to work with young receivers. I think Elijah Moore kind of like the organization seemed to sour on him last year. He wasn't getting the same target share he got before and he demanded a trade midseason. He told uh, the coach to fuck off or something. And just like the whole situation seemed to be developing into a little bit of a toxic environment, which I'm not sure you want around your young receiver and Garrett Wilson, as well as you had Lazard come in, who's going to take some of Elijah Moore's role. And right before the trade of Elijah Moore, they signed Meikle Hardman to function on that offense as well. So I kind of think he was being minimized in the Jets locker room overall, and they just wanted to get something while they still could. I'd rather them make a move like this, that whether or not they move that pick, they ended up moving up kind of significantly in the first round, or sorry, in the second round from the third round. So I... I don't hate it as much as everyone else. I'm not as convinced that Elijah Moore is necessarily uh, this gold star prospect, though I could see him being very successful in Cleveland. I just think it was maybe time for a change. Elijah Moore wasn't your guy, huh? I liked him. I liked him as a prospect a lot. He just didn't end up. It didn't really seem to be the right fit in New York. Well, Cleveland, if this works out like the last New York wide receiver leaving, uh, that that guy ended up with a Super Bowl ring, Kadarius Tony. Not saying that Cleveland is going to win a Super Bowl right now, but last time he, New York wide receiver, left for the Midwest. Yeah. It yeah. ended in a Super Bowl run. So, shouts out to our guy, Elijah Moore, getting mm-hmm. out of Gotham, and now he is part of the dog pound. I'm really happy for him. He'll he'll love that environment, I think. It's mm-hmm. a it's closer to a college, a college environment as far as the excitement and the passion for football, as far as that's concerned. They definitely um, get behind their team no matter yeah. what. So I think this is this will also energize him. And I, I look forward to seeing what his development arc will look like now mm-hmm. outside of New York. Because so far the returns have not been great. Yeah. Yeah. But a change of scenery looks looks good on him. Yeah. And overall, actually, I have to compliment Cleveland for like receivers have been a hard thing to come by the last couple of years. They've been getting drafted higher. They've been getting traded for more. And they were able to get Amari Cooper last year for just a third round pick. And now this move up from it's like roughly 50 picks to move uh, uh, back in the draft for Cleveland and secure Elijah Moore. Like I said, I I've kind of soured on him a little bit, but there's no saying that being in a new situation couldn't reignite the potential that it once seemed like he had. Um, I, I'm pretty 
like as a Cleveland fan, I'd be pretty happy with this move. I mean, that wide receiver room got better. You got uh, Amari Cooper, Donovan, Donovan Peoples Jones, Elijah Moore now, uh, kid out of Auburn Swartz. So you you have a pretty solid wide receiver group right now. And even you kind of insulate yourself from injury a little bit if Schwartz gets hurt or somebody else gets hurt, bringing in Elijah Moore, which, like we said, we haven't seen the production yet, but sometimes with a second draft, a new lease on life, you get the production that maybe you thought you were going to get initially with the first stop. So we are looking forward to what Cleveland looks like with this new wideout. Now, I want to pivot to the draft. We weren't going to talk about this, but I wanted to hit you with something and then um, get your thoughts on it. My mind was blown. Mm-hmm. Talk to somebody. What do you see? Put your scout hat on. I know you've been, I know you've been grinding tape. Snapshot on your wide receiver group today. I I have a harder time with the wide receiver group overall. I would say uh, I I mentioned this a couple pods ago. My first wide receiver in this class is a guy in Zay Flowers. I really like his um, his overall build. He reminds me of uh, a guy like Antonio Brown, though he doesn't have the strength. And actually, uh, our guy Kyler and I were going through the RAS scores on websites, and he compared like shockingly favorably to a guy in, in Tyler Lockett, who is that similar kind of build to a guy like Antonio Brown, who doesn't have quite the strength that AB had, however, is an incredibly successful receiver at the NFL level. And he's diminutive, just like Zay Flowers. They're pretty similar sizes overall. So I think we've seen success from that position uh, from these smaller guys at this point. And I, I have a big grade on Zay Flowers. I think next I'd probably have a guy in Jackson Smith and Jigma. He's uh, a very polished route runner. Um, I know his 40 time came out at Ohio State, but we all know that Ohio State 40-yard dash is more like 37 and a half yards. So hey, I'm not as uh, excited by his 40-yard dash number. That being said, even even if it ended up being like a second uh, 0.5 of a set or 0.15 of a second faster and he ran rather like a 465 a 46 something i i'd be okay with that speed considering the agility he has and the route running power that we we've seen from a guy like JSN. He had definitely a down year this last year that coincided with the breakout of Marvin Harrison, but I think pretty significantly I'd have those two wide receivers above the rest of the class. I am glad you said in Jigba because people I was speaking to Mm -hmm. have the number one on their board. 
Yeah, I I believe it. So earlier in the draft process, mm-hmm. he was looking third or fourth. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like they rediscovered his tape. <laughs> he is really good at football, and now he's wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. I think part of it also was just this past season's tape was just not as good as the year before. So people probably were focusing a little bit on the the lack of success he had this year instead of going back and seeing how like how well these skills translated when he wasn't banged up last season where he looked like he was clearly the best receiver in this class we i was talking about him last year as a guy who potentially could have been the best receiver in last year's draft which ended up being an incredible group so i i definitely see how taking a little more time to go back and examine has led people to raising on Jackson Smith and Jigba. And the bottom has fallen out for USC's wide receiver, Addison. Mm-hmm. His slight build, stature, have really raised questions within certain organizations about where he fits. There are people who say he is just a slot. I've had people tell me that, that he's just a slot. That's what he is. I'm not sure really like there's an argument against that. I think he's very clearly a slot receiver at this point. I, I was a lot higher on him also last year coming into this coming draft season after seeing him at Pitt with Kenny Pickett where it looked like often he was the one making the plays that Kenny Pickett would throw a ball that wasn't necessarily super accurate and Addison would adjust to make the catch, make the play. Now watching him throughout this year at USC with, uh, I would say, a better quarterback in Caleb Williams, I I've seen more of the struggles that he has overall. He... He's got a very big catch radius considering his size and athletic profile. That's very impressive. But his ability to beat players isn't what I thought it was. And I think it still might not necessarily be what I what I thought it was beforehand. I the athletic profile doesn't translate very well and he's one of those guys who weighed in a lot smaller than he looks on tape. And knowing that he probably put weight on coming into the combine me makes me even a little more cautious. And for our listeners who do not watch the NFL scouting combine like you and I do, who just like literally ate that up and watched it all day and probably ordered like Uber Eats or whatever case may be. If Uber Eats wants to be a sponsor, you know, slide it on, slide it in all in here. But um, what was the weight? Um, I don't have it in front of me. Give me a second. I'll pull it up. I want to say it was below 170. Yeah. Um, oh, no, 173, 173. Okay. So, all right. Basically. Right, right in there. Right. And then. 
what you're saying is true. So a la Bryce Young, who ate nothing but four by four in and out burgers to get up to 204 pounds. If that's true with Jordan Addison, you always know we are in real trouble. Yeah, that that's a very slight build. And you always have to assume that coming into the combine, just knowing these people have went from playing football every day to now they're just working out and they're trying trying to get bigger, trying to get as athletic as possible for this upcoming test versus during a football season where you don't have that same time to work out and you're doing a lot more cardio than you would be doing preparing for the combine and cardio makes you lose weight, lose muscle mass. So I, it's going to be something that goes on for all these prospects. But when someone weighs in like a guy like Emmanuel Forbes weighed in in the 160 range or Jordan Addison at 173, it's a cause for alarm at some extent because now you're thinking, well, during the season, are you 165? Because I'm not sure I can draft a 165-pound receiver, especially not in the first round. If you start to look, weigh, smell like Tutu Atwell, well, you might got a problem. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's still he's still got no sh- no shade to my guy Addison. He's well, got little, little little shade because he did go to USC, but not a lot of shade. I'm uh, not saying he's a tremendous talent at the wide receiver position. Let me be clear. But when you start to shade towards the 2-2 Atwell physique, yeah, I got a real problem with that. Especially when you don't have, like, game-breaking speed. Like, that's the thing with Addison. His build would be more acceptable if he was a guy going out there and giving you a 4-3 time. Because you can kind of... Think of more ways to use a guy like that than Addison, who's primarily a slot receiver. And the NFL has been trending, while they've been trending smaller at linebacker, they've been trending bigger and more stout at the slot corner position. So that's that's going to be a bit of a problem for a guy like Addison coming into the league. I do... I do think he has talent as well. And he'd be a guy who now that I'm hearing his draft stock is falling, I'm kind of more open to the Steelers making a selection of a guy like him in the second round. If you, you can't have him. Oh, I can't have him? You're no. taking him? No. No, 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 no. Okay, oh. first of all, this is the part of the uh, podcast that we go ahead and acknowledge uh, my mom. Shouts out to Loretta Curran, who is currently resting in a hospital. 232 over 126 blood pressure. And we are in an ambulance rushing to a hospital last night. So, but we cannot have Jordan Addison, who is a USC wide receiver, Go to the Pittsburgh. You're trying to kill my mom. She would be so excited. She would be so excited about this dude being 
on the Steelers. Do you understand what Troy Palomalu was like? Yeah. To her? Probably hard to deal with. No. She loves USC football, and she loves Pittsburgh Steelers football. Yeah. I can't have my mom dying because they (laughs) draft Jordan Addison, bro. I Okay. What are we doing? She'll be too happy. She'll she'll it might fix her completely. This is why you are her favorite son, and I am not mentioned. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that is very very uh, appreciated. Yeah. She's Miko, my favorite. Too. Yeah, Miko is the favorite son of Loretta Kern, mm-hmm. and uh, she has had nice notes to say about him in her time in the hospital. And the podcast about football. And by the way, make no mistake about it. I did a pod yesterday. I was very sad. I am still very sad. But I could not not do this podcast. You know why, Nico? Because your mom needs to listen to it. And she was going to let me hear it if I didn't do this podcast. So there it is. Yeah. We're doing it for her. So now let, let's ask this question. Jordan Addison, fit-wise, obviously, as a slot, he would yeah. definitely help Kenny Pickett. Yeah, yeah. And the the biggest need is slot receiver. We don't have a slot receiver in the building, really, since Juju left. They used Claypool in that role. It wasn't really a natural fit. And then afterwards, Steven Sims uh, assumed it. They drafted Calvin Austin last year to try and fill that uh, position and Calvin Austin is a guy who I I have belief in. I I really do like the athleticism and catch radius that someone his size can provide to having those massive arms. But uh, a guy like Jordan Addison, I think, is a more natural slot fit, and we do have Pat Fryermuth also to handle the the bigger slot linebackers and stuff. So I, I think it might be a solid fit for Addison overall. Um, that being said, he's, he's not my favorite guy. Uh, here's the other thing that I'll say about it. Could it be just like with Njigba and also with Addison that they did have injuries last year and they got it. They kind of just, throttled down i'm not saying they didn't play with Mm -hmm. effort maybe not max effort knowing what was lying in wait for them yeah and i wonder if the tape in 2021 is more indicative of who they are because if that's the case jordan addison is a really good football player yeah. Who's 50 50 balls and his ability to snatch balls out of the air and continue to move. Mm-hmm. Very you saw a lot of that on display at Pittsburgh. Not so much at USC, but I wonder if it was just kind of like, I'll make a couple catches because early in the year he looked really good and then he got the injury and then it just kind of went like this. Okay, I'm kind of. I got to make sure I'm okay. And I wonder with Njigba and Addison, both of those guys, I wonder if that was more the case than, oh, 
film and defenses have caught up with us and we're mm. just not as good. I think that's definitely something I'd be taking into account in within Jigma, especially because it seemed like he was moving like slower. Um, Addison, I'm a little bit less willing to to give him that benefit of the doubt just because he also went up like a level in competition kind of. And it seemed like the bigger players were harder for him to deal with straight up. I can say there, there is a chance his injury was a part of that. It's just, I kind of think those problems are going to persist one way or another. Do me a favor. Look at like first three games of the year. And then then give me, and then give me what your thoughts are. I, I watched them I, at least the first two games like at the time because I was thinking the Steelers were definitely like in the market to go wide receiver up high and he was the one who I th- was thinking of but um, the the rest of the year tape kind kind of took away from it for me I'll I'll go back and watch them for sure I think that was when he was fully healthy Nico yeah I yeah think he after- I think after what you saw, sir, just so you know, I think you saw a guy kind of go like, I'm here, I'm in L.A., I'm going to make a couple catches just to keep my name out there, but I'm not really going to go full all out because I do not want to get hurt. Yeah, there's there's definitely a chance that's the case. Migo, what other pieces of news that we need to talk about other than Will Levis uh footwork is absolute trash? Yeah, bad bro dick, Will Levis. <laughs> this guy. <clears throat> All right. Yeah. So I hear all the people talk about Levis being the equivalent of Josh Allen. Mm. Can please can people please stop making that assessment? Can people stop being lazy? <laughs> I I don't want to say he's the equivalent of a guy like Josh Allen. I just think the reason you look at Josh Allen and want to compare him to Will Levis is they both got all the talent in the world, like all of the tools and the guy like Josh Allen, you watched him play football in, in school and he was not, not nearly what he is today. So I think that's where that comparison is born from. I, I do like elements of Josh Allen more than a guy like Will Levis, but I, I'm still so intoxicated by the traits of Will Levis that I'd be willing to roll the dice on him. All right. I like Levis. I don't know if I like him in the top 10. I definitely do not like him in the top 10. I'd be, yeah, I'd be aboard. What Levis in the top ten? I I understand the basically with quarterback evaluations, I I don't stack them up against the other positions. I don't stack them up against anything. It's just if you 
have a quarterback who you think can be that guy, you take him. And if there is a coach who thinks he can work with the traits that Will Levis has to make a quarterback who resembles anything like Josh Allen, I think you just got to take him wherever it is. I'm gonna help some. I'm gonna help some core franchise out right now. Whomever it takes Will Levis. Please do not mention Josh Allen's name. Do not put him in the same hemisphere. Do not say, "Oh, this is what he could be if he hits all of the traits or whatever." Because here is my take. On Will Levis. He will not be Josh Allen. He will not. He doesn't have the arm, the arm strength that Josh Allen has. It's a step below, I believe. Um, his thing that really worried me, Nico, is Liam Cohen was his OC. Liam Cohen came from the Rams. You know a lot about him. And this was what it produced this year. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not sold on a kid. I just think he might be more of a developmental piece that we're willing to talk about. He might be closer to Anthony Richardson than he is to the Strouds and the Bryce Youngs of the world. Yeah. I and you know how I I have those guys flipped in my head just because I have the faith in the traits and I'm always willing to roll the dice there. I I get the the Stroud and the, the Bryce Young love now and it it's seeming more and more like Stroud's going to be the first pick in the draft, but. I, I'm just always willing to take those other guys. I'd rather have either one of them. Well, the great thing about Nico is the one thing that he's going to stay true to, he's going to stay true to the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's if he was a GM, you know that you are taking high upside guy. Yeah. Well, you're take the guy with big-time traits. Yes, you, you need them uh, – Every time it's the, the Tomlinism of you, if you start taking, making exceptions pretty soon, you're going to have a team full of exceptions. I'm trying to have a team that is above the standard in every athletic facet, specifically the positions I value it the most are the quarterback and the trenches, the trenches. I need giant dudes there too. I, I don't get too caught up in the height, especially with defensive linemen. I think you can overcome being small at the defensive line position. Look at a guy like Aaron Donald. It can sometimes even help you anchor. But uh, I, I think you need that length, that, that girth, and that athleticism at those positions the same way I think you need the arm strength and athleticism at the quarterback position if you want to be one of those true elite of the elite Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen types my guy Bryce Young is still QB1 for me uh the reason why I say that like I will drop a cliche like my guy Nico's it 
When people show you who they are, believe them. The tape tells me that Bryce Young is special. I am scared for his life. But as far as being a quarterback, playing the quarterback position, handling the quarterback position, manipulating defenses, eye discipline, and just a poise that you cannot it's not tangible, but it is it is real, and I've seen it. And I've seen it multiple times at the highest level of competition that college football has to offer, which is the SEC. So my guy will, will be QB1. It will be Bryce Young. Wherever he's drafted, whether it's he's the QB2 off the board, 3, 4, whatever it is, that's my guy. Will Levis, though, his 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 pro day, his footwork. His pro day was awful. The, everything. He was missing throws. It was it was under like he had non-spirals. It did not look like the pro day you'd expect from a prospect like him. And that definitely interject one thing. Yeah, go ahead. Here's my other thing with that. No cold weather quarterback should take him. You should not take him if you are East Coast quarterback, East Coast team. If yeah. you deal with high winds a lot or whatever, mm-hmm. that dude is built for a dome or good weather. Yeah. Well, uh, if he does end up falling after today, Josh McDaniels making it clear that quarterback is still on the board for the Raiders in the first round, that might be a situation that you'd like for him then um, sitting behind a guy like Jimmy G. But and that would probably be the best thing that ever happened to him. You could be behind a guy like Jimmy. Like I said, he's closer to the scale of Anthony Richardson. And the only reason I say that is not the athleticism, Nico. You know oh, what yeah, I'm talking course, about. I'm just saying developmental arc. Yeah. I I don't know. I think both those guys have have talent. I know it's not at the CJ Stroud level or the uh, Bryce Young level, but I think they they've got the talent to do what needs to be done in NFL offenses. I I get the, I get the gap though. I I do understand why you'd be hesitant to make a move on a position like that. I just I'd be worried that I'm putting myself in purgatory with a guy like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud and just ending up with a guy who's who's good enough but who doesn't necessarily have that one or two things needed to get you over the hump. But Nico, I think we talked about it. I think this also is what we were uh, expounding upon a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the new breed of game manager. And it could be like a electric type of game manager because Bryce Young Mm -hmm. can get in and out of a pocket. He can. He can, but man, he's going to die. He is going to die, but I I just want to keep him in the pocket forever. If he slides, Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know, but if it does, 
work and CJ Stroud kind of fits that bill too, where you have this new vision of mm-hmm. high level game manager. Yeah. And I understand that it's Real. one game, it's all this, is this, that, the other. The Georgia game. But CJ Stroud, if you want to talk about like your measurables, right? You're sitting there and going, he's not small. He's not too terribly real thin. He's accurate. Does he make the most dynamic play? I don't know. Because his wide receivers were so damn good. And the competition in the Big Ten, except for maybe a couple teams, no offense to the Big Ten, they just don't have the speed yeah. to deal with Marvin Harrison Jr., by the way, mm-hmm. son of Hall of Famer Marvin Harrison. So that DNA might be better than he's the best player I've ever seen in college football. Marvin Harrison Jr. is mind blowing. To stay stay away from the off the field activities, uh, uh, Deuce, just as a FYI. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> All right. You don't, hey. You don't take everything from your dad. Okay, <laughs> not everything. Yeah. Right? Can't wait for that guy to come out next year. Me neither. Yeah, that's a top five pick. I, I'll i put a bullet in it now. For sure. One other quick thing that I want to hit on is I heard a lot of hate about Hendon Hooker over the last couple of days on Twitter. Mm-hmm. What the hell is going on? Why is this? Uh, it's Daniel Jeremiah's fault, kind of. Daniel Jeremiah put Hendon Hooker to the Patriots in the first round of his last mock draft. He, uh, had the belief that maybe, um, Bill would be willing to to move forward without Mac, but, uh, he was primarily basing it around the fact that he doesn't think Hendon Hooker is too much worse than these four guys at the top, which is something we've touched on before as well. Um, So after that happened, we started seeing Hendon Hooker pop up in several mock drafts around the internet, and it has led to the counterculture, the anti-Hendon Hooker narrative that's been pushed out since. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to rely on what we've seen. We're going to rely on tape right now, Nico. You know how we we have principles that we will state our reputation on. Um, and so far, I still look at him and go, if he wasn't injured, he'd be in this, he'd be in this whatever quarterback cauldron you want to call this. Yeah, I think I think he definitely could be. He's a guy I think I'd have him right below the other dudes because I I personally view him as more similar to the the Stroud and Young group and I think I'd have him bef- below those two. But in in the first round I I'm definitely on board. I think he's the type of guy who you'd w- maybe want to move up at the back and secure but I think he's a very talented player who's got 
some of the attributes that we've been looking for. He might be that type of mega game manager that we're trying to create. And he's definitely a guy who's shown the ability to produce with like athletic talented receivers not guys who are necessarily the most polished the best route runners but he knows how to pass to those guys when they're in position to make plays and he's he's shown it repeatedly throughout his career i i'm definitely on board with the hooker at the back end of the first round and you get the fifth year option to tag on which is so valuable at the quarterback position ding Ding. That is absolutely right. Here's the other thing. If you tell me all things equal, he's healthy because of what he did last year and, in a sense, raising the tide of his team. Because up until, what, last year? Tennessee has been, what, 75? Maybe they'll mix in an eight and four every once in a while, whatever. This team was very competitive in the SEC. All right. Yeah. Incredible. Major wins as far as that's concerned. And he was absolutely the catalyst to those. Mm-hmm. That to me would put, he, that to me would put him over Levis. Yeah. For me. I- that that situation for me would put him over Levis because mm-hmm. he raised the tide of his squad. Yeah, where that's what we were talking about with Levis. Is like, oh well, he lost a lot of talent. He lost this. He lost that. Did you get everything you could out of your t- talent? That's my question mm-hmm. to you, Mister Levis, and that's the question you will be at be answering until we see it in the NFL. Yeah, I. I definitely understand that. And like we we keep talking about that Georgia game for Stroud. The Alabama game for Hooker was pretty damn impressive too. That that's up there for one of the best games we've seen quarterback from anyone in this class. So I if some team views Hooker, watches his film and thinks he's their quarterback of the future, I'm definitely not gonna tell them any different. And he did face in that game <laughs> our guy, that defensive end, Will Anderson. He did. <laughs> and uh, that went actually pretty well for him. So mm-hmm. I'm always impressed with with teams, schools who – like Clemson's ascent to mm-hmm. me was really impressive. Mm-hmm. And I want to – Take people back. Maybe you, a lot of people who listen to this pod might be a little too young, but there was a day where Tennessee was the power in the SEC. It wasn't Alabama. Okay. I know it's been a long time and Alabama's had a really, really good run. And now Georgia is now kind of taking over that mantle a little bit. I'm sure that Alabama people will have a lot to say about that. It's like mm-hmm. two years does not make a dynasty, sir. I'm sure the Bama folks will be saying that. Yeah. But there was a time where Tennessee publications would come out. Tennessee was the team Mm -hmm. in the SEC. And for them to have 
falling on hard times and then to see just their their ascent this year and it was nice to see Neyland Stadium filled up all the orange and they had a good product to watch and a very exciting quarterback to watch and I can't wait to see what he does in the NFL I just my whole thing get real healthy get rehab do what you need to do if this is a um red shirt year for you do what you need to do but at the end of the day I really like him at quarterback and I think he's a he's a really when things are on the line I like him a lot Mm -hmm. and that's why I think I like him over Levis is when things are on the line I have a belief that he will get it done yeah Levis will have to prove it to me. So, yeah, I understand. Now, one thing that we do on this program, Nico, something mm. that you thought of, but I am going to do it now. We're going to shout out a black quarterback. Yes, sir. Because it's also his birthday. Mm. Shots out to our guy in kind of like patient zero. Randall Cunningham turns 60 years old today. Ooh. So, for all you people that are looking at Anthony Richardson and going, oh, go look at YouTube on uh, Randall Cunningham because mm-hmm. this is what you want Anthony Richardson to be. Oh, yeah. Okay? For sure. The world. Uh, yeah, Randall Cunningham was one of the greatest quarterbacks I think to ever live. He's uh, had a very contentious career, but the peaks and the things he could do on a football field have been untouched by a lot of people even to this day. Buying time, broken plays. They talk about off script. He was kind of, I mean, listen, we, we can go back to Fran Tarkadin and we can go back to, Sammy Ball, and we can go back to black and white film and all that. But if we want to talk about the modern day of football, and we want to talk about, we use buzzwords now, Nico. I don't know if you're aware of this, but we use words like off script and off platform and, you know, dynamic uh, throwing angles and, you know, all this stuff. Now, this guy was getting out the pocket, on the move, flicking the ball 65 yards down the field and Mm. hitting his wide receiver in the hand. Yeah, yeah. the One of the all-time greats, to be honest. And you, I I use some of those terms sometimes too, but you want to talk about a guy who could throw off-platform and from dynamic throwing angles, that's that's the guy. The, The man who could do it himself. I've complimented guys like Justin Fields for the ability to do it. But if anyone could get to that Randall Cunningham level, that's an absolute home run. If he came into the league today, that's the first overall pick with a bullet and a guy who's probably going to win multiple MVP awards. I bet you he wouldn't have a, uh, a problem getting a contract from the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, he wouldn't go to Baltimore, I don't think. Hopefully. No, he would not. No, he would not either. We'll send him back to Minnesota. Yeah, or actually, uh, he was a Vegas kid. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, can you imagine? 
slide there. That would the canopy would be uh, the draw that franchise needs. Yo, when you need to build a hot tub time machine, first of all, I just want a hot tub to be a time machine. I think it's cool. Yeah. Secondly, be awesome. Build it, and we 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 go yank like early Randall Cunningham and bring him back to the future, bro. Yes, sir. We bring him back. Yeah, we got we got to do it. I man, I yeah. Randall Cunningham is one of those guys who most of my knowledge of him is restricted to like replays on NFL Network and a football life and that kind of stuff because he's far before my time. But just in the few games I have watched of him, he's absolutely transfixed me every time. Yeah, it was just he was in an era of. Joe Montana. <laughs> he was in the era of Steve Young. Yeah. He was in the era of Phil Sims. He was in the era of John Elway. Mm-hmm. So, and unfortunately, it just, it was never in the cards. But that, that team that he took to in Minnesota and, and the field goal going that, that situation, mm-hmm. we will never know if that man would have won a Super Bowl. But I am pretty certain that if they get past that, they win. Because he yeah. was that good that year. Like mm-hmm. he was pretty good the whole way through. And it wasn't just the plays he made throwing the ball down the field. The other thing that he was good at, and this is something that a lot of the NFL talks about now, Nico, and this is something that you and I discussed. It's not the dynamic plays way down the field. It's the place where it's like, okay, the left tackle let the defensive lineman go. Mm-hmm. This is for sure a eight-yard loss. Yeah. And he turns it into a six-yard game. Yeah. That's... Plus 14, baby. Plus 14. <laughs> Those are the game changers for sure. Um, I I think we we just got some news here that we could wrap the show up on. It touched it touched it. together our earlier topics. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook just released the odds for the next uh, Lamar Jackson location. We're we're sitting back back at plus one thousand for or sorry plus 10,000 for the Dolphins and the Patriots, the Florida teams to secure Lamar. Um, Plus 900 are the Jets, Seahawks, and Patriots. We've talked a lot about Patriots as a potential location. And earlier in this episode, we touched on the Jets not being in on the on the sweepstakes, but it's interesting that the Seahawks are on there on the same category as them. Plus seven fifty, we have the Titans. I think that's uh, mostly wishful thinking from Titans fans. It seems like that organization's going in the opposite direction. But the top three most likely teams to get Lamar Jackson are first at four and a half to one, the Washington Commanders. <laughs> 
Second at three to one, the Indianapolis Colts. And in first place at two and a half to one is the Atlanta Falcons. So birds. Yeah, that that's an interesting group of teams. I had I hadn't thought too much about the Seahawks as a potential destination. I guess they could be, but uh it's interesting to see them on there at the same uh, level as the Patriots, but the Falcons Colts and commanders seem to be our top three potential locations. We're just hoping it's not Washington. In Washington, DC, please, please don't think it's shade on you. We had a whole podcast dedicated to the wizards. Mm-hmm. So my love for Chocolate City, my love for the district is palpable. This has nothing to do with you. This has everything to do with your shit owner. Yeah. As soon as we get him on, out of there, Lamar can go there. It's fine. And I, I'm so sorry. I usually do. Not, the cursing is usually Nico's thing, but yeah. <laughs> he brings it out of me. That specific guy unfortunately yeah. brings it out of me because he's 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 ruined the franchise nico mm-hmm. we don't talk about it a lot and this is something that we have been kind of i don't know kind of getting at with the listeners is that we will be talking about owners and we will be talking about front offices and we will be talking about gms and personnel groupings and, and what have you and what, what it takes to get the right mix of people to have great drafts, have good free agencies, solid, and not just take the low-hanging fruit. But the one thing that we can honestly say about Daniel Snyder is that what a poorly run organization it has been. He went and did the Albert Hainsworth thing. He did all of these things. He always went for the big ticket item. I remember LeVar Arrington. I remember all of these guys that he brought in. Yeah, I said him. So I just, (laughs) he's never given that franchise since he's owned it a legitimate shot at Mm. doing anything remotely great. No, he definitely hasn't. Yeah. So, no, he should not have Lamar Jackson. He should not have nice things. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a good note to close on. Fuck Dan tonight. <laughs> and with that being said, uh, as a personal note, uh, this particular podcast is going to uh, go out, and we are excited about it. And I just want to say, rest. And recuperation to my mom, Loretta Curran. Uh, and uh, with that being said, we'll see you on this feed unless the Lamar Jackson thing goes down on Friday. And yes. we'll be talking hoops. And hopefully, just so you know, Nico, I did save the take mm-hmm. for you. Okay. Because I have a monster take on the NBA as it relates to the 90s mm-hmm. and the late 80s compared yeah. to now. That's the tease. Ready for That's it. what we'll end on. So, for the Canadian bomber, <clears throat> the Canadian shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons, and also 
the Canadian Mike Tomlin, Nico Miatello. Send us off. Thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of FRPC. You can find us uh, on Twitter. Vince is at Frontrunner PC. I am at Nico N I C O F R P C. Um, we love you guys so much, and thank you for tuning into us. And uh, we just we send our love out to Loretta, and hope she gets better. Thoughts and prayers to everybody out there who might be going through something similar or just not connecting with a person that um, has meant a lot to them. And I hope that situation changes for you. And with that being said, we'll see you back here on Friday unless we get news. Peace.